Good morning, good morning. Let's really show our love and appreciation to the worship team if we can. I want to thank you for being here today, and uh, I, I do want to thank all the teachers. You're kind of like uh, police officers. You're uh, underpaid and underappreciated, and you, you might have the toughest job in America, uh, the, the school teachers, toughest job in America. So let's thank, thank the Lord for them. Everybody feeling good today? You glad to be in church? All right, uh, I, I, we're in a series, if you're a guest here today, we've been preaching through a series called the Beatitudes, and uh, today we come to uh, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. So I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Also inside your bulletin are some sermon notes. There's so much truth in this one verse, it's difficult for me to unpack it all in one message. So I want you all to say, Lord, bless our preacher today. And then say, Lord, speak to my heart today. That's, a, that's, that's getting a good head start right there. Uh, I want to pray before we get started, and uh, we'll talk about this seventh beatitude. There's only eight, and uh, today we're looking at number seven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church and a time to worship. Uh, where we gather from every corner of this city and come into this room to honor you and to worship you. Thank you for those who led us into worship. I pray that that time prepared our hearts, made our hearts soft to receive your word and your truth. Bless me as I preach and bless every listener. Speak to their hearts, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Matthew 5, verse 9 reads as follows, Beatitude number 7, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? The sons of God. At this juncture of our study, there's a seismic shift in the Beatitudes. The first six uh, that we've already looked at, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, Blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. These are mostly dealing with who you are, who God expects you to be. But when we come to this seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, it's something that God expects us to do. He expects us to be peacemakers. Now, there's a couple of reasons why God desires that. One is peace is elusive. Everywhere you look, all we see in our world is division and strife and arguing and conflict in our homes, in our families, in the news outlets, in our country and around the world. No one seems to be at peace. The second reason he calls us to be peacemakers is because you can't buy it. Peace is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a bank account. It's not found on a shelf. There's a mall in Minneapolis, Minnesota called the Mall of America. How many of you, raise your hand if you've ever been in that mall. Raise your hand, quite a few of you. That mall is said to be the largest mall in, in the country. It has 4.2 million square feet. It contains 330 stores. 
There are restaurants and nightclubs. There's an amusement park inside the mall. It is so big, it is equivalent to 88 football fields. It employs 10,000 people, and there are 40 million visitors to that mall every year. But there is one thing at that mall you cannot buy, and that is peace. Because it's elusive and because it's a commodity that you cannot purchase, God has commissioned us, the church, all of us, in his new kingdom, according to his new rules, that you and I are to be peacemakers because it's something that the world is in desperate need of. So where do we learn about peace? How do we become peacemakers? Well, it begins by looking at the word of God. Because as you read through the Word of God, you will notice that throughout the entire New Testament, there's a theme of peace. There are 27 books in the New Testament. Each and every one of those 27 books contain the word peace. And I want you to know that at the very beginning of Jesus' life, he was, when he was born in Bethlehem, according to Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was born, the Bible says that there was a choir of angels that appeared and said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men to whom his favor rests. Then you go throughout the life of Christ at the end of his ministry, right before he goes to the cross in John chapter 14, he says to his followers, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. As you read through the rest of the New Testament, most of Paul's letters, almost every letter that Paul wrote, he has this familiar phrase, grace and peace to you. Now we know, besides the Bible talking about peace, that the devil has come to create havoc and destruction throughout the entire world. So no wonder Jesus, in this seventh beatitude, challenges each of us to become agents of peace to help make peace in this world. I want to give you four things about what it means to be a peacemaker, how to become a peacemaker. Number one in your notes. A peacemaker is someone who has first made peace with God themselves. All peace begins with you knowing Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that the only way that anyone can ever have peace with God is by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through our faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy to explain. You go all the way back to the, to the beginning of the, of the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were created, everything was perfect. They lived in paradise. There was no war, no hatred, no fighting. no, no They didn't have any marriage problems. Can someone say amen? Uh, there, there was no turmoil of any kind until sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into this world, it ruined everything. Man is now living under a curse. Every man on this planet lives underneath a curse. Every woman on this planet lives underneath a curse because of sin. And from that day to today, man has been at war with God and at war with one another. 
Now, according to James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, all wars, all conflict comes from within. James 4.1 says, what is it? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, we like to blame everything and everybody except ourselves. But James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Verse 2 reads, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. America is number one in violent crime. We are number one in divorce. We are number one in illegal drugs. We are number one in teenage pregnancies. We are number one in abortion. We do not have economic peace. We don't have religious peace. We don't have social peace. We don't have racial peace. We don't have family peace. We don't have inner peace. And you know why? It's because we do not know Jesus Christ. You, one person clapping right over here. Thank you. My mother, thank you, Mom, for that. No, 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 no. You've all seen this T-shirt. You've all seen this somewhere. And if you look at just the, the white letters, you see the word N-O. And if there's no Jesus in your life, then there's no peace in your life. Now, if you know Christ, if you know Jesus, then you know what peace is all about. And I just want you to know that that's not just a slogan on a t-shirt, that that is actually scriptural. According to Colossians 1, verse 20, Jesus reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things up in heaven. How did he do that? The Bible says, by making peace through his blood, that was shed on the cross. In other words, our sins and the conflicts within us, the evil desires that are within us, because of all of that, there is no peace. Yet Jesus, he goes to the cross and he sheds his blood for an atonement for our sin. So we no longer have to live in this broken relationship with God. And it's because of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ that we can ever experience true peace. You cannot be a peacemaker unless you yourself have peace. And you cannot have peace if you do not know Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. Number two, write this down. A peacemaker is someone who makes peace with one another with one another. As Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers, some of us are peace fakers. You know what a peace faker is? That's someone who's just at war with everyone. They get upset all the time. Everything bothers them. Oh, they come to church and they look okay, but inside their heart, they're, they're, it's, a, it's all a fake because they're angry and they're upset and they have uh, people that they don't like, people they don't care for, people they don't get along with. So we have peace fakers. And then we have peace breakers. These are people who like causing all the problems. Some of you think that this beatitude reads, blessed are the troublemakers. Because that's what we do half the time. Some of us are peace fakers. Some of us are peace breakers. But Jesus calls us 
to be peacemakers. I want to ask, how many of you know someone who's just difficult to get along with? You know someone like that. How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? This guy went to the, to the, to the uh, doctor's office. He had a mole here right, uh, right underneath his jaw, right here on his neck. And he just wanted to get it checked. And he walks in. There's a nurse. She was upset all the time. She go, he goes, I need to get this, this mole checked out. The nurse goes, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. And he looks at this lady like, lady, I just got this little mole. I just need to see if it's a, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. And, you know, he, he started to argue with her. He said, I, I don't need to, I, I just need to see a, someone who can look at this. And she says, I told you, go down the hall, third door on the right, take your clothes off and sit down. So he goes down the hall, third door on the right, takes his clothes off and sits down. There's another guy sitting there naked. And he says to this guy, he goes, she's a little rough, isn't she? And the guy responds, tell me about it. I'm just the UPS driver. <laughs> that joke was worth coming to church for right there. <laughs> you know what the Bible says in Romans 8, 9? It says that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. God has called us to be his hands and his feet. He's called us to be his voice of compassion. He's called us to be the builder of bridges. I was listening to Joe Biden speak the other day, and, and, and I'm just telling you, I was trying to listen to see if I could really understand what he was talking about. <laughs> and he was speaking, he was speaking to the United Nations, which is the body that represents everyone in the world. And I said, I'm going, to listen, I'm going to listen and see if I can really listen and see what he's saying. And uh, in the middle of his speech to the United Nations, broadcast around the world, he says these words, that his administration, that he, his administration, the United States, that we're going to work to bring peace to the world. Now, when he said that, I thought to myself a couple of things. One is, you are not going to bring peace to the world. I thought that. Because every president has made that promise. And every president has failed in that promise. The next president is going to make that same promise. And the next president is going to fail in that promise. Because there is no peace in the world. That was my first thought. My second thought was this. It's not the job of the president to make peace in the world. It's not the job of politicians to make peace in the world. It's not the job of kings or the United Nations or any diplomat. God has placed the calling of bringing peace to those of us who are Christians. It's our job. It's not his job. Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible. Now, I know sometimes it just seems like it's not possible. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, the other party might not ever cooperate. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14, 19 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. 
You see, once we have peace with God, we are then to be peacemakers with one another. In the Greek, the word peacemaker is an active word. It's where you take initiative. It's where you intervene. It's where you make the first move. You don't sit back and hope the problem goes away. You don't sit back because you don't want to rock the boat. No, you've got to engage. You've got to get involved in order to be a peacemaker. Might be in your home, it might be with your children, might be with another church member, might be with a employ fellow employee, might be with a neighbor, a teammate, a classmate. True peacemakers seek solutions, not arguments. They seek to calm the water, not seek to stir them up. They work for reconciliation, not division. Peacemakers bring people together. Write this down. We're not just supposed to know Christ, we're supposed to reflect Christ. That's what a true peacemaker is all about. Someone who knows Jesus and then someone who reflects Jesus. And if you study Jesus' life when he was here on this earth, he was constantly reaching out to others. He took 12 disciples and turned them into a band of brothers. He constantly was reaching across cultural barriers he invited a woman into his inner circle who normally in those days women were not found in public ministry. Children normally that were pushed away, he welcomed children. He even reached out to a tax collector, a sinner by the name of Zacchaeus and even had dinner with him despite the criticism from others. Oh, if you know Jesus, you'll reflect Jesus. You'll act like Jesus. You'll talk like Jesus. You will love like Jesus. You will seek to bring peace between people who are divided. A peacemaker, number three, write this down, is someone who leads others to make peace with God. You see, once you first make peace with God, then you begin to help other people find peace your priority is to lead others to make peace with God. Our task is to know Christ, to reflect Christ, and to share Christ. A peacemaker is someone who is not content to go to heaven alone. I want to say that again. A peacemaker is someone who's not content to go to heaven alone. So many of us hold grudges. We hold on to grudges, we hold on to misjustices, we hold on to pain and bitterness and resentment. We just hold on to things and we won't let things go. And we're only hurting ourselves. But we're also creating something that we will never ever have an opportunity to share Jesus with the people that we're upset with. And that's really the, the bottom line. There's a story that happened at a Golden Corral restaurant. You all know what a Golden Corral restaurant is? It was a Sunday uh, around noon, and there was a guy that was covered head to toe in Thousand Island dressing. I'm not talking about a little bit of dressing. I'm talking about two gallons of Thousand Island dressing from the top of his head down his face and beard, on his jacket, down his pants, and down to his feet. You say, well, what happened? Well, he was inside the Golden Corral, and there was a, a waitress who was carrying a two-gallon tub of Thousand Island dressing to the salad bar to replenish. 
And about that time, they have these swinging doors that go in and out of the kitchen. Someone came through there, and those doors swung open and hit her, jumped her forward. She stumbled, and there went the salad dressing over this customer that was standing there. The guy went ballistic. He was shouting. He was cursing. He was saying, you're so stupid. How could anybody be so stupid? This suit cost me $400, and you've ruined it. I want to see the manager. And so this girl, although she was shaken, she goes and she gets the manager, and the manager comes out and says, is there a problem? Yes, there's a problem. <laughs> and the manager tried to calm the guy down, and you know, the guy kept saying, she's so dumb, and why, why would anybody do this, and my suit is ruined, and, and the manager said, sir, we will gladly, gladly pay to get your suit cleaned at the cleaners. He said, no, I don't want my suit cleaned. I, I want this suit replaced. I'm not leaving here till I get a check for $400, and the manager says, okay, okay. He goes back into his office. He writes a check for $400. He comes out and he gives it to this man and that customer goes away muttering obscenities as he exits the restaurant. I want to ask you a question. It's Sunday, 12 o'clock noon at the Golden Corral. There's a man wearing a suit. Why would anybody have a suit on on Sunday at 12 o'clock noon at the Golden Corral? Who wears a suit at 12 noon at the Golden Corral? There's only one answer to that. It's someone who'd been to church that day. And I don't want to judge because I don't know all the facts, but any time, for any reason, you put up a wall between you and someone else, you are ruining any chance you may have to lead that person into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Peacemakers build bridges in order that they might help lead people to Jesus. And the best way, go ahead and clap if you want. The best way to be a peacemaker is to introduce people to Jesus because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And you know the only way that any of us are ever going to get along, because let's face it, we're all different. If I asked 10 of you to give your opinion on one subject, you'd give me 10 different answers. And our, our country is constantly divided over every issue. And uh, the only way we're ever going to have unity in this country, or between us as human beings, is when... When I get my eyes on Jesus and you get your eyes on Jesus because he is the only thing that can truly unite us. If we, had a, if we had a thousand pianos and you tune your piano just kind of the way you think you ought to be tuned and I tune my piano based on how I think it ought to be tuned and you tune your piano based on how you think it ought to be and then we played all, we did that a thousand times and we played, they would sound, it would sound, it would be a mess. But if we took all 1,000 pianos and tuned them to the same fork, it would be perfect harmony. And in that same way, you and I, we see a lot of chaos in this world. We first have to have peace in our own heart. We have to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. 
we help build bridges and bring people together, then we introduce them to Jesus Christ, and then and only then will we ever know anything called peace. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, how beautiful are on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. And that's what God has called us to do, to proclaim peace to the world, Jesus Christ. Amen? As we close, my last point, stay with me. A peacemaker is someone who becomes a true son of God. If you've been with us the last six weeks as we've gone through these Beatitudes, I've told you this many times, that the Beatitudes, you cannot even understand them in their full magnitude unless you go back and understand the context which Jesus was teaching. And today is no exception. I know most of you think you know what this Beatitude means, and I say to you, you have no clue what this Beatitude means because you live in today's world. You've gotta go back in time 2,000 years ago and put yourself in the audience and know and think what they, were know, what they knew and what they were thinking in order to even begin to understand this beatitude. So let's go back 2,000 years. Are you with me? I wanna show you a map of what the world was like 2,000 years ago. Go back in time with me. The Romans were conquering the entire world at that time. If you go all the way to the left uh, part of the map, you will see that they had conquered the land today that we know as Spain. If you go up to the north, you'll see that they'd conquered Europe and Italy and Greece. And up to the right, they had conquered a place what we know as Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. To the south, they were in Africa, they were in Egypt. The Romans were conquering the entire world, including that little red line pointing to that little tiny dot, which was a city called Jerusalem in the land of Israel. When Jesus stood up to talk that day, he was speaking to people that were living under Roman occupation. Rome was conquering the world through war, through conflict, through battles, through eliminating their enemies, through occupying land, again, including Jerusalem. The New Testament period that we're studying right now is the time of the Caesar Augustus. In fact, did you know that Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, is actually mentioned in your New Testament? It's in found in Luke chapter 2, the first few verses. The Bible says that it was Caesar Augustus who had ordered a census to be taken in the entire Roman world. And that is why Mary and Joseph were traveling through Bethlehem the night Jesus was born. There's so much power that even today, our, in our calendar year, the month of August is named after the great Caesar Augustus. In the minds of the Romans, Augustus was a name that inspired reverence and admiration equal to supreme dignity and grandeur. During the time of Jesus Christ, the Caesar Augustus, he ruled the world, and Israel was ruled by the Romans. It's all that they had ever known. They had these coins back in those days. I wanna show you this coin. This was the coin of Caesar Augustus of Tiberius. He was the second Roman emperor. He would have been the, 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 the Caesar 
that had ordered the Roman census, his stepfather, stay with me, his stepfather was the first Caesar of Rome. And in the minds of Romans, you see that you see the Caesar Augustus here? You see him? You see him? He kind of looks like Larry Bird to me. He just looks, how many of you agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah. Some of you don't even know who Larry Bird is. You've got to get out more. No, no, no. But his, his stepdaddy was the first Caesar Augustus. And in the minds of the Romans, Caesar Augustus was considered to be a god. So in the times of Christ, his stepson, this Caesar, had coins with his face on the coin. Do you remember the story where they asked Jesus, are we supposed to pay taxes? And Jesus took a coin. He said, who's on the face of the coin? They said, Augustus, Caesar, Augustus. They said, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Do you remember that? Well, on this coin, if you're, if you're able to read it or you're able to study, the coin says Caesar Augustus. And then on the coin is inscribed a saying that says, the son of God. The son of his father, who was a god in the minds of the Romans. So the only, the only son of God that Jesus' listeners knew about was Caesar Augustus. He was the son of God. And so they're here on the Sermon on the Mount. People are listening like you're listening. They're hoping that Jesus is the new Messiah. And in their minds, when the new Messiah appears, he will appear with a military army. They're going to go to war. They're going to defeat the Romans. And they then would be in charge. And so they're listening intently to Jesus talk about this new kingdom. And right in the middle of the opening statement of the Sermon on the Mount, as he begins this new kingdom, he turns to his audience and he says, Hey, I've got news for you. You can become a son of God. And the people thought, Sign me up. How do I become a son of God? How do we become like Caesar? How do we become conquerors? And Jesus says, you have to be a peacemaker. Well, that had to be confusing to them. Because in their minds, a son of God rules with an army. He goes to war and he conquers. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. It's just the opposite. If you want to be the son of God, you must first become poor in spirit. You must mourn over your own sin. You must become meek and serve in gentleness and humility. You should have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And then you must give mercy as you've received mercy. You'll receive even more mercy. And then your heart must be pure, solely focused on the things of God. And then you must be a peacemaker. And then, and only then, can you become a son of the living God, a part of the family of God. They probably had no idea what he was talking about until three years later when he goes to the cross and he dies. 
And then and only then could they begin to experience what true peace was about. Because a peacemaker is someone who's related to Christ. And then and only then will you ever know what this beatitude is even talking about. I close today with these words from Corey Tinboom, who said these words, if you look around, you're going to be in distress. And if you look within, you're going to be depressed. But if you look to Christ, you'll be at rest. You'll be at rest. Let's all stand. Father, there are people here today who are at war. There are people here today who do not have peace. And they're looking and searching in every corner of this world for something that will bring them true happiness and true blessing. And the only way that any of us will ever have true peace, true peace within, is by being in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He welcomes us into his family through faith based upon what he did on the cross. Our sin is what divides us from one another. Our sin is what divided us from you. Yet Jesus reconciled the entire world to himself when he goes to the cross. And so if there's someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ, Lord, help them to come forward when I'm finished praying. Just come to these doors over here to my left, over by the baptistry, and there'll be counselors there to walk with them through that decision. I pray, Father, that if there's a young man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a father, a mother, there's anyone within the sound of my voice whose life is in turmoil. Let them come today and submit and surrender in faith to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And those of us that are saved and those of us that are redeemed, Lord, help us as we leave this auditorium to go out into this jacked up world and be a bridge builder, to be a peacemaker, to figure out a way not to further divide us, but find out a way to bring people together in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray a blessing upon every single person here. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you and thank you for being here today.